Hey there, I'm Andy Malinsky. Welcome to the Get Out of Your Comfort Zone podcast, where we engage thought leaders about the challenges they have had in stepping outside their comfort zones in their lives and their work, and also advice that they have for young people interested in developing their leadership potential. This podcast is sponsored by Brandeis University's International Business School and the Perlmutter Institute for Global Business Leadership. I'm here with Dan Schauble, uh, a New York Times bestselling author, serial entrepreneur, Fortune 500 consultant, millennial TV personality, global keynote speaker, uh, career and workplace expert, and startup advisor. Thank you so much, Dan, for speaking with me today about getting outside your comfort zone. Happy to be here. And you should add self-proclaimed introvert. Self-proclaimed introvert. Excellent. Um, so what I do in this interview series is have my guests uh, think about a situation at work or could be outside of work where you've had to operate or stretch outside your comfort zone. Ideally, one where it's been relatively easier, you've overcome the challenge, and maybe another where it's been a little more difficult. Uh, is there something that rings a bell there for you? or? Yeah, I, there's many different situations. The one I immediately think of is when I was a recent graduate, after I left my full-time job at EMC Corporation, I started a number of businesses, and one of them was a a small networking company. So I I did events one a month, brought together 50 to 100 people and various speakers, from a UFC fighter to Johnny Cupcakes and, you know, uh, an executive at the Celtics and, and various other people. And for me as an introvert, that's a big challenge. And now I do larger scale events with over 100 executives. And, and I think, you know, overcoming that and overcoming, you know, being in the speaking industry has been a big challenge because it's not natural for me to be in that environment in front of people. In fact, when I was a sophomore in high school, we had sophomore speech at Indian South High School and we had to write and memorize a speech. Mine was on affirmative action. Uh, it's a topic I, that I didn't really care about, but it, was, it seemed like one of the hot buttons at that point, and that was going on in the news, so I figured, why not? And, you know, even though I did give a good speech, the night before, I got sick over it, and it was extremely uncomfortable and unnatural, and it gave me a lot of anxiety. Um, and then I realized that over time, in order, you know, first, uh, you know, I had small, it's almost like even with what I've done with TV and the media as well, I always start small, right? And I figure out what do I, what is, what do I really want to, what's the message I want to get across? What's my focus area? What, am, what drives me? What am I passionate about? Like really taking that all into account. And for me, it's always been this journey of how do I help my generation at every phase of their career? You know, and through that, there's been consulting, there's been researching and whatnot. And so in order for me to become a better speaker, got to choose the right topic and then got to speak as much as possible. And then got to emulate people who I see are great speakers like Tom Peters, Marcus Buckingham, Dan Pink, uh, and, and, and various others. Um, those are my major strategies of how I was able to co- overcome it. And so I've given over 100 speeches since I graduated college. And it, it, it honestly wasn't even until last year when I spoke to a few billionaires and Fortune 500 CEOs, a small, small select audience, where... I, I said to myself, wow, you know, if I can speak to them, I can speak to anyone. And that was the big aha moment. So it actually took, uh, you know, about nine years in order to get that comfortable. And it was that it took nine years to get to a point where I'm speaking from, an, from in front of an audience. It doesn't matter if it's 5,000 people or, or, you know, this was maybe 100 people. 
It was who was in the audience that really made the impact of me. In fact, the larger the audience, the less nervous I feel. And I actually, a lot of introverts have told me that because they end up getting lost in the crowd, right? But once you only, you can see your audience right in front of you, that makes you more nervous. So that was actually the best speech I think I've ever given. And because of that, psychologically, it's created this thing in my head where, wow, if I can do that, put anyone in front of me. Uh, because how much bigger is that going to get besides like a president watching you or like a TED audience? And so that was a real breaking point for me. Um, and it took nine years. So we're in my, we're about to start my, you know, 10th year of speaking. And it was that, it was that one small engagement with those select people that convinced me that I can do anything when it comes to speaking. And it's the same thing with TV. If I started my first segment on the Today Show, I might have failed because I was not prepared for it. But because I started with local um, TV stations, and my first few interviews weren't that great, to be honest. One was with ABC, an ABC affiliate. Um, I learned how interviews go and you know, how I have to talk in sound bites. So I basically trained myself and prepared myself for the future with Fox and NBC and various other media outlets. And so I, I think with everything I've done, it's always been these baby steps and then this aha moment of, wow, I was just on the Today Show, I can be on any channel now. You know, you need that breaking point that convinces you that, you know, you could do this for anyone. And that those are just two examples and they go side by side because it's really about being in front of an audience that was my pain point and my fear. So th that's really interesting and it's amazing how far you've come from what you described. Do you remember what it was like when you first started? Because I imagine a lot of people listening to this haven't had the chance that you have had for nine years to be able to start small, build up, even speak in front of such you know, influential people. What was it like for you at the very beginning? Uh, you know, inside, if you could sort of like, you know those cartoons where you have little bubbles over your head and it can describe what you're thinking or feeling? What, do you remember what it was like? Yeah, you know, my first speech was at Bentley. So I graduated and I, I felt that the easiest thing I could do, the easiest engagement I could get was the college I just graduated from. So I spoke to, at Bentley and I spoke at, you know, relative to a topic that I was really interested in, which was personal branding. And at that point, I had personal branding blog. I was, you know, in the midst of starting my own magazine, everything around that topic. And so I, the material was already there because I had been writing about it 10 to 12 times a week, every week. Um, that was my standard habit. Uh, after work at EMC, I'd come home, and in nights and weekends, I would focus on the blog, and then eventually launch other businesses on top of the on top of the blog. Um, so the content was there, the topic was the right topic, and it wasn't an intimidating audience. It's a bunch of students. I'm older than them. I, you know, you could make the argu argument that I know more than them, right? Because I've been through a lot more, and they're looking to me for guidance. And so I wasn't as nervous and because I had the right topic that I was an expert on or becoming an expert on, and the audience was not above me in a sense. It wasn't me, my first audience being a group of five Fortune 500 CEOs. It was a bunch of students who are either sophomores, juniors, or seniors at college. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's just what I talk about actually in my book. I, I use the expression... Uh, a just right situation like with parents who have kids are familiar with the idea that when you choose a book for a kid who's trying to learn to read you don't want to hand him Harry Potter as a nine-year-old you want to give them something just right so that they can move up and feel confident and then move on to the next thing it sounds like you did that as well sort of yeah and I didn't get paid for three and a half years so 
that that's an indication that I really love the topic, yeah. right? You can't blog 10 to 12 times a week for, for months and months and months, and now we have 6,600 articles read in 228 countries with about 5.9 million viewers. That couldn't have happened unless I didn't put that publish that first blog post, and the second blog post, and the third blog post. Um, you know, the fifth speech wouldn't have happened unless I did the first four. So, uh, you know, because it was the right topic that I really cared about, I was willing to pay my own expenses, speak as much as possible. I spoke at all the colleges in Boston. And it, after the three and a half year mark, one of the students that heard one of my speeches at Bentley, she hired, she and her manager hired me to be a speaker. So I went from zero dollars, zero dollars, zero dollars, you know, in some ways negative because of gas money, if you want to get really specific, yeah. uh, to $6,500. Wow. So, and a limo. So, uh, literally, <laughs> I honestly, I genuinely thought I robbed a bank when that happened. Right. I was like, is this happening? Is this real? Because you're, I'm, I was so used to not getting paid that then I realized, wow, like, there is something here to this. There is a potential for me to continue on this path. And, of course, I have ever since. And, and I think with everything I've done, I used to, my writing career, my entrepreneurial career, everything is the same thing, right? It's this long voyage. It doesn't just happen. You, you don't just get to write a book. My first book was rejected by 70 out of 70 agents and two publishers. I eventually got it on my own. Second book was three and a half years, fired two agents. Now I'm with Jim, of course, as you know, and hired four consultants, three book proposals. But I guess you could say barely got it. Only one publisher was interested in, and I had to really push them hard. And so it's, it's always, nothing's ever come easy, and it's about this journey, and the only reason why I continue the journey is because I have a personal mission, I'm focused, I know this is my sweet spot, and that I'm supposed to be doing it. That's what keeps me motivated, yeah. and so when it comes to these decisions, should you speak for free, should you be on this podcast, whatever, the decision becomes easier because I want to be doing this when I'm 90, like, you know, until I die, basically. I see Ken Blanchard, some of the people that you've heard of before who are you know, very senior, 80 years old, 90, maybe even 90 years old, and they're still speaking at these conferences, I ask myself all the time, why can't I be that person? It's interesting. I, I think that's really amazing. And I found in my research in my book that having that sense of passion, uh, it, to some degree, even it sounds like you're calling it a calling, uh, is something that can propel you uh, when you're struggling to act outside your comfort zone to keep going to fight through um, where, what advice would you give to listeners to be able to find their own calling, their own source of motivation? You've said multiple times that you know what your mission is. You deeply care about this, and that enabled you to fight through any sort of rejections or ups and downs and so on. I, I only made sense of it in the past two years, if you can believe it. So after all of this time, it only came together in my head after the second book was published because I realized that the first book was answering the question, how do I go from college to first job? And then the second book is really saying, you know, how do I go from first job to management? So I'm like, okay, I can follow my generation along their careers. Um, so it, it's actually, I didn't have it from the beginning, but I knew I wanted to be in the career and workplace space. Yeah. Um, and I'll give you even another example of, where I've stepped out of my comfort zone that I was going to say is research. I was a B student in marketing research at Bentley. And it wasn't until I got a contract to do research with Monster where it forced me to step out of my comfort, comfort zone, learn SPSS and other marketing research tools, 
and then eventually build relationships with uh, research vendors and do panels and surveys. And now, I mean, now it's, uh, you know, I've done 35 studies. I've raised $580,000 on my own four years for research. That's amazing. So, so, so you do work with millennials, and that's part of your passion. What do you think the biggest challenges that millennials or you know younger professionals have in terms of this uh, idea of getting outside their comfort zones? The biggest challenge, and what I'm focused on right now for probably the next three to five years, is isolation. I was recently asked this actually. I, I was doing an interview, and oh, what are the biggest challenges for millennials? The biggest challenge, it seems, it appears like we're all very connected and we have a global reach. And people have an average, millennials have an average of 700 friends on Facebook or even more now. That was four years ago when we did the study. But we're more isolated than ever before because the technology, as it advances, it actually makes us more disconnected than connected. So it creates an illusion that we all have all these friends, yet we really don't. And so to me, when I look at every single happiness study, they all draw the same conclusion, which is the people who are the most happy are the ones who have the deep relationships with others. And so if you have all these weak ties, you end up not being happy in your life or in work. And because work now is a 47-hour work week, and you know, if I speak to an audience, I always say, how, how many of you answer business email on vacation? You know, 99% say yes. The the 1% guy, you know, probably forgot to raise his hand. And that really shows you that we're working harder than ever before, especially in America. You know, we you know, there's a huge study we have coming out about workplace burnout. It's happening. It's affecting retention. It's affecting everything in terms of mental health and well-being for employees and job seekers, too. And, and so... In that world, in the world we're in, and, and you know, it's, we're going to constantly see more telecommuting, freelancing, and people who are relying on technology, the big challenge is going to be how do we not let the technology get in the way of us and other people? So if you're isolated and you have these weak ties, how does that make it harder or easier to act outside your comfort zone? You're saying that it maybe makes it harder because what, you don't have the social support, you don't have the sources of inspiration around you. What, what do you think the connection there would be? Well, I think it's based on each individual, right? I mean, the act of getting out of, of your comfort zone is actually not using the computer as a crutch and actually meeting people in real life. Uh, but yeah. some people might have, not, might not have, a, have trouble with that. For me, I realized that that was going to be an issue. So instead of relying on the technology, my strategy was use the technology to find and connect with the right people to make it easy on myself because when you, you use the internet, for an introvert, or at least for me, when you use the internet as the first method of communication, the initial handshake, it lowers my anxiety and stress so that when I find those people, reach out to them, I can convert or, or get some people uh, meetings in real life or have lunch or coffee, and then that ends up being extremely beneficial. That's interesting. So use the technology, but use it strategically as a tool to get out of your comfort zone. The initial point of contact right. for me, and, and then leverage that in order to set up in-person experiences or relationships. Right. And it's been so valuable because... You know, my network is, you know, my business network, which is extremely vast. I mean, I've done 
I'm over 1,700 interviews in almost 10 years now. It's incredible. And a lot of a lot of these, you know, phone being phone interviews. Uh, there's no way that 10 years ago I'd be on a call with you know Jessica Alba or Warren Buffett or any of these people because I would be too nervous to create too much anxiety. But over time, like anything else, like, you know, the through line for my entire story is it was very hard in the beginning. And I would interview people who were more accessible in the beginning, like professors and experts and some authors. And then eventually I grew it and grew it and grew it and stepped right into my comfort zone. And now I'm talking to at least one successful person per week. And it's not a big, I don't even think about it. It just happens. And, but it's taken so long. Right. And I think that's actually a really inspirational story for people because you're you're sort of demystifying it in a way. You're not saying that you snap your fingers and you step outside your comfort zone. You're saying that it takes hard, dedicated work that sort of in a sense is guided by this mission that you have and that you discovered even along the way, it sounds like. I mean, Donald Trump took three and a half years. Tony Robbins took over six years. Chelsea Handler took nine uh, months. I mean, a lot of these, it takes a long time. You got to really want to do it because it takes a long time. They don't come easy, but there was always a vision since the beginning. Five questions, and I call it two for them, three for me. Right. That, that's like my literally my strategy, and, and it's two questions that focus on things they want to promote and three that focus on career, uh, career management, right? And so the last question is always, what are your top three pieces of advice? And the idea was after 10, 20, 30 years, I could wrap that up into a book or something. Right. Very smart. Let me ask you one last question, and then we'll wrap it up. And this has really been helpful. Um, are there any times when you think it's actually not a good idea to step outside your comfort zone? In other words, when it's actually good to stay right in it? Yes. Here's a good example. If you don't know much about a certain industry or space, and someone says, hey, invest in my company, and you invest in them, and, it, and you lose your ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars, right? That's it's out of your comfort zone, right? Because it's an industry that you haven't played in, and you're literally harming yourself by losing that much money. So know know, know yourself, know your limitations. You won't see me start a restaurant, right? I'm in this. This is my area, and I'm going to quadruple down in this area. You're just going to see an accumulation of uh, work and a portfolio of you know, uh, different projects that I've done throughout the course of my life in this area. I'm not gonna go outside of this area because I don't know. Like for instance, you won't see me you know, in the real estate business because I just don't know that area. Right. So what do you, and you know, in real estate in investing, you know, I have a financial advisor, I have certain people, you know, I have a lawyer, accountant, I have certain people who do things that I'm not really good at or, or not knowledgeable in. But when it comes to things that are really outside of my comfort zone when from an investing perspective I avoid at all costs I just won't do right and I imagine given what you said earlier if you had some driving passion to do any of these things maybe you would do the hard work to learn about it but it doesn't sound like you know you're pretty comfortable where you are and you know what you want you know what you're good at and that's where you're gonna double down it sounds like that but and here's the key point I'm comfortable but I'm constantly actually putting myself out of my comfort zone and what I'm doing right. because it's not like each book or each you know year uh, I'm making my life easy. I'm only making it harder. You know, the next book will involve psychology. The next book will have 
you know, uh, you know, surveys and various things attached to it that I couldn't have done in my last book, you know, um, you know, other things that I'm going to be working on this, this coming year, I haven't really done before, but it's not so far out of my comfort zone. It's something that I can reach to. Right. And based on writing down goals for the past five years, I, I sort of know what's possible and what's not possible. So I end up achieving about 85% of my goals in a given year. And the other 15% is usually the ones that are somewhat out of my control and some of the ones that are more reaches for me. Right. Well, this Put it is in terms of the title of your book. Yeah, no, exactly. And it sounds, I mean, it, that makes a lot of sense that you're going, you're, you're within an area and you can always stretch and learn and grow within the area. You talked about giving speeches in front of students and now you're giving speeches in front of CEOs. You're still in the same area, but you're diving deep and still reaching. So that, exactly. this, is, this is great. I think it's going to be very inspirational to people who are listening. I appreciate your uh, spending time with me. Uh, and uh, thank you again. No problem. You take care. Okay. Take care. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thank you for listening to the Get Out of Your Comfort Zone podcast. If you're interested in learning more about comfort zones and the work I do, please visit andymolinsky.com. And you can also find all social media links there or by Googling my name, Andy Malinsky. Also, feel free to email me directly with ideas for future podcasts, questions, comments. My email is andy at andymolinsky.com. Thank you so much for listening.